close episode here. Here we go. All right, welcome to uh, the Coach's Corner booth. It is August 17th, if you can believe that. Uh, we are a, doing a matinee today, and with us in the booth is a newcomer to the podcast, and I'm not talking about the handsome guy standing next to me, Andrew Coulomb. How are we doing? I'm talking about the one and the only, the the head man, uh, eighth grade baseball coach, uh, educator, uh, let's see, your football coach, all around, yes. all around model American, member of the Much 2005 Western Maine champion uh, Westbrook Blue Blazes, Tyler Crosby. How you doing, Cross? Hey, I'm doing well. Pleasure to be here. Chance to cut my teeth here as a September call up. Yeah, this is a big deal. I'm ready. You know, you know who one of your uh, your counterparts on the on the on the on the team from 2005 backed out. He did. He was a late scratch. What happened? Uh, it sounds like he's doing some whale watching with the family. Whale watching. That's that's what I heard. I'm telling have- you, you can watch whales all day long with Free Willy. Free Willy. Just uh, sit right. on the couch. They make they make National Geographics about whales. There's don't a they? documentary as well about SeaWorld. I don't actually. It's kind Blackfish, of Blackfish. I, I believe. I mean, Blackfish. Yeah. Good documentary. I don't necessarily recommend watching it with the family. Frightening. So why are we why are we going whale watching when you could come here to the air conditioning and and podcast Andrew Kinslow at sixty five Gray Road. We are at sixty five Gray Road, uh, Madden's Pub and Grill. That's in the Hannaford Plaza. It is in the Hannaford Plaza in Falmouth. Yep. Cross found it. He did. How do, yeah. What do you think of uh, Madden's Pub and Grill? I know you've been here before. I love it. Fine Irish cuisine here in a, in a nice place to hang out, shoot the breeze. Yep. Yep. We're joined by uh, two two of the most handsome seven and eight-year-olds you could possibly find, John and Aiden Eisenhart, who will not be, uh, they're, they're going to get some food in their belly, and hopefully they'll uh, stop making googly eyes at me. But we're very excited because today, t- John, do you have something to say? Do you want to sing that, a song? That thing is on. Do you want to say hi? Hi. That is uh, my eight-year-old. I don't think that anybody's going to listen to this, but anyways. What if they well, do? They are do now. You any, do you have anything to say? No. Nothing to say? Nope. John? Chip, I'm going to scissor kick you in the back of the head. I'm a- Chip, I'm all jacked up on Mountain Dew. <laughs> How about a song, John? <laughs> Aiden, do you have anything to say with your broken arm? Aiden came into this podcast unprepared. He came in with wow. no shoes. Hi, bye. No shoes. Short and sweet. Yeah, that's what he is. He's short and he's sweet. No shoes. Broken arm. Broken arm. Yeah, so listen, I'm not done with Kinslow because um, we made these plans. How long ago did we do it? Two weeks ago? At least, at least. He had plenty of time to make the adjustment to tell his his lovely wife, who we all love, Vanessa, um, that that he was going to do the podcast. And what does he do? Last minute. Within an hour and a half, I think. Do you think it was more jitters than it was anything else? I, I think that the pressure of the, of the uh, high leverage situation here got to him. It's I can attest di- to the jitters. Yeah. Are you, are you feeling it, Cross? Are you feeling a little bit of jitters? I'm well, just trying to work them out early yeah. on here. Yeah. It's like when the, that first swing. Got to have a good bullpen. You get that first swing out of the way, and you, you feel like you're, you're in the ballgame, right? That's right. We're ready. Or the first, uh, the first hit to right field, um, you're good to go. Just got to see one get through. That's all. That's all. That's all. So I, I, I have a... Uh, but don't let the fear of striking out stop you cannot, playing. You cannot I mean, think about it. You cannot think about striking just, out. You think about success only. It's a, it's a mental game. <laughs> Much like podcasting, it's a very mental game. And, uh, and Kinslow, he, he kind of crapped the bed. He, he did. <laughs> he crapped the bed. You like that one, John? What does John think of that? 
John, what do you think about <laughs> Aunt Coach Kins backing out of the podcast? <laughs> John's got the imagery of, of crapping the bed right now. <laughs> so, uh, so I went to the Patriots game last night. Preseason game. I took, Brady looked good. Oh man, did they look good? I'm telling. Their secondary still sucks. Well, but but everything else looked good. I'm a little nervous about the uh, injuries to the offensive line already. I know, but I, I'm telling you, Brady was. He looked like he was 22 years old. He was unbelievable, unbelievable. I'd and, like to see documentation. I well, don't, I, I have know. I have video. Well. I have video. Well, he might be on the Julian Edelman program. We don't know that for sure. Hey, we, got, we do have a Steelers fan on the podcast. I don't know if that's... I, I had to get one in. You know what, Cross? <laughs> we have another soon-to-be Steeler fan sitting right next to you because guess what Guess what his flag football team's name is? Steelers. Awesome. Steelers. We're going to have to get Cross a, a T-shirt when we make them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He I'll even have to, has come to have to his name on the back. He has to have his name on the back. That would be great. Wow. Yeah. What should we put on the back? Should we put brown on the back of it? Antonio? We should say Patri- Patriots rule. Steelers, Steelers drool. No. Kind of like, I was set up. Kind of like the Red Sox rule and the Yankees drool. Not a baby. I can, I can agree with that one. Yeah. You can't get on board with the Patriots, though. I can't. You can't. You're a Steelers fan. You've been a Steelers fan for a long time. Thank my father for that. Yeah. He's a Steelers fan. Yeah, he's all messed up, too. I was a Steelers <laughs> fan my whole life. Did you know that? Up until I was about... I don't know, 15 years old, when the, when the 86, I became a Fairweather fan. 85, 86, I got on board with them in, uh, you know, this, in the heyday. In the heyday. And uh, after the Steelers started losing Super Bowls, that's when I became a Patriots fan. Well, that okay? I just, that's, that's fine with me. I actually came late to the party, too. Yeah. I, 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 had, I had a Russ Francis sweatshirt. It was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. It looked so good. So uh, the game last night, take Amanda's, uh, my wife Amanda's, uh, 80-year-old grandfather down, John and Aiden's great-grandfather, down to the game. He was crying yep. Um, right when he got there. He was like, there was so much chairs coming down his face. It was so cool. Yeah, he uh, was pretty, he well, was pretty psyched, cool, wasn't he? Well, not cool, it was, yeah. 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 yeah, so John sacrificed his ticket. That was his first game? That was his first game wow. ever. Wow. And he's a diehard Patriots fan, isn't he, John? Yeah, and he's never been because he was... I was busy doing other things, plus they had eight kids. So. Yeah, they had a lot of kids, so he didn't have a lot of extra money. Wow. But he watches them every Sunday, every Monday. He didn't, he didn't care, and he jumped right in the car. He, he, got, he has um, an amputee, uh, got his left leg amputated uh, about two months ago, jumped in the car. He said, yes, I'm going. Uh, this, is, this may be my one chance, so he got in the car, and he, we had a blast. That's awesome. awesome. Oh, yeah. He had a, he had, I gave him a pretzel. I said, hey, you want to bite of my pretzel? This I went to the bathroom. Is making me thirsty. Yeah. I, I went to the bathroom. And guess what? Pretzel was gone. Pretzel when I was back. gone. Pretzel was gone. <laughs> you offered. I offered. <laughs> I, I got what I asked for. But I'm telling you that that them, them Patriots look good. Uh, I, Big I'll, injury to Nick Foles last night too. It yeah, could be a concern for on, on the fumble, right? He, well, yeah. if Carson Wentz isn't healthy game one. What is wrong with Carson Wentz? What's the deal with him? He's not. He's not healthy anymore. ACL last ACL, year, yeah, I believe. He tore it. Is he supposed to be? The, the reports are that he'll be back week one, but okay. he may not play in the preseason. Which, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I like that kid. I like him. <laughs> John's making practicing for his chicken tenders. Yeah, yeah. So we are um, we are without a couple of couple of people. Jason uh, is not here today. Oh, Apparently. you remembered this time. Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, did you happen to uh, Did you happen to catch the beginning of this when John didn't answer the phone? 
my brother John, not my son John. Uh, what do we think about that? You know, where is he my right my now? disappointment for Kins right now is probably a, about a six. Yep. My disappointment with John is pushing double digits. Yeah. I mean, this is this on a, is on a scale of one to ten, it's an eleven. It it might be a twelve. Oof. Well, he's here's what here's what he's got. He he went to California for. He's two got weeks. a bunch of excuses. He does have a lot of excuses. It's not. It, you're you're a lot of I, you're his brother. You can you know say what you want, but yeah. I'm gonna see. I'm I gonna cover call for my brother. I don't. I, I you know what? I'm gonna back my brother up like some people don't. You know? <laughs> hey. I there issued. You go. There you go, I issued my public apology, yeah. and his response was, "I am not insecure." Yeah, and I believe you're the one that called him insecure, not me. I actually so. did. Yeah, yeah. He's not at all. He, he actually posted on Facebook again. He can't get over this. He can't. He's having and, a hard and time. And actually, it's it's my wife's fault. Yeah. She she actually told me yesterday. Yeah. That I hadn't even seen his his comment on Facebook, and she goes, "I think I just made things worse for you and Tim." Yeah. I said, "Why is that?" And she goes, "Well, I said he was the cutest player ever." Yeah, uh, she did. She doesn't help. Thanks, She's not helping. Megan. He posted a picture of the like the, the cutest little league picture ever. John, I got to show it to you. Yeah. Uh, Coach Coach Andy Pants. Yeah. What? 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 His little brother Reed yeah. posted a picture on Facebook of him during the World Series. Actually, when he it, the World Series. it was it was Megan who posted. Oh, it was it. Megan. Yeah, and Reed Reed um, his brother Reed commented said, on commented it. on it, and he he hasn't got over it. And Andy kind of yelled at him on Facebook and said, "Hey, I did hey. get over it." So he's a little bit addicted to his own picture. Apparently, well, well. a little bit. He was he was looking for it. Obviously, huh. there he is. Oh my god! So yeah. Reed played on now. The, let's get John's opinion. Is okay. he the cutest little leaguer or not? He's he looks so hilarious. Yeah, like, well, that's, that's like what I as he's say. walking up, he just like. Pinching his two fingers like this close. Yep. 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 And he had a lot of hair back then. He did have a lot, lot of hair. hair. Yeah. 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 Yep. I thought he was Johnny Damon. Interesting <laughs> connection there. I don't know. But uh, Reed was my assistant coach for Schwartz and Schwartz. Schwartz and Schwartz. That's yeah. right. That's wow. right. Back First time on the team. podcast, and yeah. he's got this great segue. It's a outstanding lead in. segue. Jason would be so proud. So proud. Who's Jason? <laughs> <laughs> so we have on the program today. Um, one of the finest human beings you'll meet. He is. Uh, he is. No, it's not you, John. One, <laughs> one of the one of the biggest Portland sports fans you could possibly imagine. Steve Schwartz. Uh, he also is an umpire, and I, I can't wait to talk to him because he's now done. Um, he's been selected as a Little League Softball World Series umpire, and he, this year he got selected uh, with Owen Sprague to go represent District Six. At the uh, New England Little League baseball tournament, which they don't get paid, they do not get paid. So it's all on them. You're That's talking right. about giving up a lot of your time, yep, just because you love the game and yep. you you love working with kids. Yep. And Steve is that guy. He's the type of guy that will uh, will bend over backwards. When we were at Deering and uh, our sponsor money ran out for our summer program, and we were trying to revive um, the program there at Deering. Uh, Steve stepped up after our sponsor backed out and and said, "I got you." And yeah. For two years, came up big. Yeah, two years. He he hooked us up, and we were able to get a junior legion team, which you coach Cross and yeah. and Andy and I uh, took on the the uh, the senior legion program, and he, he he backed us up there as well. So he was he was the funder for what would be now the the first team in in junior legion. Right. Yep. So so we're very excited to have him on. He also happens to be a lawyer. He's, right. a, he's kind of a big deal in the in 
in the world of law in in Maine and other places. So he's got a great story, and I can't wait to can't wait to talk about it with him. Yeah, this is gonna be good. I I still have the Schwartz and Schwartz Law uh, jersey. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I was supposed to give that back or not. I probably shouldn't have said. No, no, no. That. You're good. But, uh, but we gave uh, Steve one. We did give Steve one. We gave Steve a Very test. cool to see a, a gavel with a baseball at the end of it. Yep. I always liked the uh, design. Yeah. Well, that was me. Well, I do what I do. Blind squirrel. John, Blind squirrel. John's making jokes off the air here. He is. He's got me a, a touch distracted. <laughs> well. John's pretty good at that. This is one of them. May the Schwartz be with you. I just oh, thought of it when you guys said pull, that. Interesting pull, John. Wow. Interesting pull. So I'm sure Steve has never heard that before. Never. Never, ever heard that before. But so he's never seen Spaceballs? I'm sure he has. I'm sure he has, buddy. Probably. He's, Steve's a well-rounded uh, human Pizza being. Pizza the Hut. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you got any, any, any big big news in the, in the world of uh, sports right now? Anything you guys want to scratch? I, I would like to... Talk about this tweet that I saw from Tim Kirchin. Oh yeah, earlier today. Yeah, that's right. He uh, he talked about he tweeted that there was a former college pitcher coaching a twelve-year-old uh, little league team. Yep, and uh, was getting so fed up with the parents. Yeah, that they were yelling at their kids uh, for making outs. Yeah, so he decided that he was going to throw batting practice to all of the fathers <laughs> that were. Berating their children, and he embarrassed them pretty pretty handily. It sounds like, and he told them, "Now you understand that this game is this is, game is hard. Stop yelling at your kids." And I, and I actually heard uh, uh, WEI was talking about it on my way in here because they saw the same thing. And yeah, I'm thinking you know, good for this coach. Yeah, for for having the guts to do for it. having right. the guts to do sure. it, and hopefully it. It sticks with the parents because it is a hard and and just enjoy watching your kids play. Yeah. Like if they're having fun, then then who, who cares if they're getting out or yeah. you know yeah it, I don't know that it's the Matheny just, doctrine right the, oh. the Mike Matheny wrote a book that that said just that just just be a, a silent observer that might have been one it. of the best books I've actually yeah. ever read yeah that guy gets it his kids playing for Portland right now Tate yeah Tate. Did you read that cross? Did you did you have I did you caught not. that one? That's a I, that's not. a must read. Mike the Matheny manifesto, yeah. and it is. I mean, he got he got some pretty good headlines uh, a few years back when he did this because yeah. you know the letter that he wrote to the parents is it's pretty abrupt yeah. and and it's it's I think he he called a spade a spade yeah. and he said, listen, if I'm going to do this, this is how you're going to behave, yeah. not just your kids, but you because right. this isn't. What you do on the sidelines is a direct reflection of us as well, and and he he laid it out in, you know I think he the way he laid it out made it under made it easy for parents to understand yep. that you know you're not going to be hooting and hollering you know cheer for your kids have fun enjoy the game, but it's a game. Yep. At the end of this, it's you know you love your kids yep. and the game is over. Yeah, the game ends when it ends. Don't bring it home. He also the, the the big principle that I like the fact that it was it was pay to play the the coaching was pay to play. So he was trying to cut out the while well, I'm paying you two thousand dollars, you're going to play my kid. He's like, nope. He actually said in the book when with one parent, the woman called him up and she broke the rule of don't ever call me. Yep. Don't ever call me. I'm going to coach your kid. I'm not going to talk to you. And 
she called up and started complaining, and he said, stop. And then he said it again, and then he said it again. He said, finally said, ma'am, you've gone too far. I'm going to mail you a check for the remainder of the season. Your son is no longer on the team. And so... Right, she she was he booted the kid off. The she team. was baffled by his response to do this, and yep. and he says in his book that you know you're coaching the kids, but the the, the parent did ruin the experience yep. for the kid. Yeah, which is unfor- unfortunate. Right, you know, I've been I've been very lucky to have uh, supportive parents in the Westbrook community, but I do know that when parents put pressure on on athletes, it, it definitely shows on the field. Sure does. The coach, yeah. the coach is applying enough pressure typically. So yeah, and I've always been of the mind that a kid makes an error at short at shortstop, they're pissed off enough at themselves. Yeah. They, Correct. They don't need to hear it from from me. They don't yep. need to hear it from the sidelines. They don't need to hear it from their other teammates. You know, they if you make an error and you're not pissed off, then. I don't know. You don't have a pulse. You shouldn't be playing. Right. You right. shouldn't be on the field. That's right. Yeah. Find another sport. But it's it's a uh, it's a it's a sign of the times. And I think I think Matheny. I think why it struck a chord with so many people was because it's happening all over the place. It's I think no- he he spoke for ninety five, maybe even more ninety five percent of yeah. coaches out there at and at all youth levels from little league all the way up through high school. Yep. I think he was speaking to them. Yeah, he's he's using his position as a as a major league player and a gritty tough major league player and his background in you know he had tough love at home. It was it was put up or shut up and don't complain. And uh, and I think he's bringing a little bit bit of that to the kids, but he's also, you know, he talks so lovingly about about the kids and how he's developing them and has a has a plan and you know, we just we just had a conversation with with Tim Hopley down in Portsmouth and you could hear it was it was a lot it was less about baseball and more about developing human beings and I think right. you know his focus Absolutely. that's where that's where Matheny's focus was is you're hurting your kid and I'm not going to stand for that right and, and he it was has nothing, he, nothing to do with baseball he said you know, we're we're going to lose more games than we win at first yep. because we're going to be focusing on you know being fundamentally sound making sure that we're playing the game the right way yep. and we're doing all of these little things correctly before yep. the success comes yep. and. He basically said, "Don't come to me because we're losing." Right. He goes because by the end we're gonna we're gonna follow this all the way through. Yeah. We're gonna be winning by the time we're done. Well, learning how to fail is a big. It's a big one. Is a Absolutely. big one. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially in baseball, it's it's I think baseball amongst the sports the the major sports has the most failure, and it and it and it three really out of ten, coach. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one of the reasons why I asked Steve to come on this podcast is because I know him well enough to know that Steve gave us uh, a bunch of money when we needed money and had no idea about what that entailed. He just knew a team in Portland needed money, and, uh, and he knew that it was going to be good for kids. He, he believed in the program, and, uh, and, he, and he stepped up and, and did it, and he volunteers his time all over the place in Portland Little League. I think he was there for 25 years. We're going to hear all about his, his, his actions and what he does inside of our community, but a lot of people don't realize it because he doesn't advertise it himself. He talks about how much he's enjoying himself, but he's not doing it to, to promote himself. He doesn't need to promote himself. He's an outstanding lawyer. He's very well respected in, in, in the state for that. Um, so he doesn't need the advertising. He he just does it because he he loves kids and he wants to see uh, a great Portland. Yeah, 
I'm looking forward to this. Yep. And uh, John Eisenhart, your chicken tenders are ready. <laughs> oh, yep. My time to eat. Bye. <laughs> so you guys want to get to it? Let's do it. Let's do it. No reason to give. Don't need no reason to why. I don't really care what you think. Just living life on the ride. And if you're going to game, just look around and see. A lot of people are hungry and they're looking to eat. But think about what you got and what you can't afford. Before you roll to the store, just change the label before. You leave a check at the stand or when you're screwing the man. Because he's fucking with you and now you've had it. Is it all right, welcome back, and I'm I'm very excited to have our uh, our, our next guest on, um, Steve Schwartz. I don't even know how to introduce you other than to say you're you're one of my my favorite Portlanders, and uh, a guy that I I when I see you coming, I immediately want to run up to you and shake your hand. So thank you so much for coming onto the program, Steve. Well, it's my pleasure. I actually, it's the feeling is mutual. Thank uh, you, Steve. One of my favorite coaches, Tim. Thanks. So we are, um, the reason why I have you on this program, Steve, is because of that, exactly what I just said. I think there's, there's a few people that you meet in your life that are, that are about, is genuine about making Portland or an area or a group of people better by your actions. And a lot of people can say, yeah, let's do this, let's do this, and they're idea people, and they don't have action to their words. They want somebody else to take the action. You are different. You actually take the action, and you come up with the idea, and then you and then you organize people to, to make it happen in such a positive way. So I, I got to know before we start, and I want to get into your history a lot. Where did that come from? Well, first I can say sometimes, much to my wife Susie's chagrin, <laughs> <laughs> she'll say, "Why do you always end up being president? Can't you just, you know?" And then not not always, of course, but yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. Um, my, my father was my role model. Uh-huh. He was a, uh, an attorney in Portland who uh, practiced for about 43 years and uh, loved the law and had passion for it and supported his, um, you know, his kids. And, um, and so it really started uh, from, from that sort of a, um, an example of work ethic, really. And then, you know... Uh, Things started coming along. Uh, I love the law, and I uh, like the organizations that that support it, such as the Board of Overseers that I've served on, and sure. things like that. The Maine Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers that I was the founding, of which I was the founding president. Yeah. Like trying cases, and uh, then I started supporting my kids. You know, yeah. and uh, I actually went down to sign up for Little League, and Mike Woods, God bless him. It was uh, also a basketball referee. Yeah, sure. But, uh, you know, I signed a form saying that I'd be willing to serve as an assistant coach. And I don't know why, but he came over to me and said, oh, would you be willing to serve in the board? And I thought I would, that meant an assistant coach. <laughs> I ended up being the coaching coordinator my first year yeah. uh, that my kids were in the league. And then from there, it just, you know, my career in Little League took off. Sure. And how long were you in the Portland Little League? I mean, I know your kids are, are older now, but how, how long were you serving on the board? About 16 years. I just uh, resigned from the board last year uh, after serving as either coaching coordinator or majors director uh, or umpire-in-chief for the last nine years. And then I've really just decided I want to just spend my time on the field. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So you you played sports growing up? Did you, were you an athlete? Were you a uh, 
I already know the answer, but... Uh. <laughs> yeah, I was a JV athlete, okay? I played <laughs> JV soccer. You can see my picture with long hair for Bill Moses' Gary oh, High School fantastic. soccer team. Um, I played... Uh, I actually lettered at Deering as the manager of the baseball team the year that uh, Bob Anthorne was the shortstop, and they had really some pretty decent teams. Buddy White was the coach. Uh, Brian Gordon was my assistant coach, and um, he encouraged me to, you know, go for it the next year. So I actually played JV the next year. Yeah. And um, and that was a lot of fun. And then I just started working. But yeah. so in terms of that, that was the extent of my high school career. If I could tell you the last time I did anything athletically worthwhile <laughs> on the field playing was uh, when I played for the police yeah. uh, for Little League Four in Portland. And we were playing for the Little League Four championship, and it was the bottom of the sixth, and we were down by a run. The bases were loaded. There were two outs, and I hit a single up the middle awesome. off of Pete Walker, which I constantly remind him of. Cause that's the <laughs> and, then, uh, and then Greg Smith hit a single to, to win it for us. Yep. Uh, Gre- Greg's the only one that made it to the newspaper, but then again, his dad was the manager of the team, and God bless him for that. <laughs> so you, you grew up in Portland then. You were, you were a Portland kid through and through. Yeah, absolutely. And Little League yeah. 4, was that Pedro Field? It was, indeed, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. when it was a straight Little League field on the boulevard. Yeah, yeah, right on. So I, I, I had one of my fondest memories is at that field as well when I was 11 years old, and it's like it was one of my favorite sportsmen. Anybody that asked me that question, I hit a, I hit a ground rule double, and, uh, and it went over the fence, and we scored a run, and we ended up winning the game. But I, that's all I talk about. Little did they know that I gave up three home runs when I was pitching in that game as well. And one kid named Matt Ricks hit one off an Americana truck as it was going by. And and you can think about how far he hit that ball. How cool is that, right? So I have my own I have my own story about about that too. So I was playing uh, JV ball for yeah. uh, Lutrapaldi. Yes, and um, I I actually had a I executed a perfect hit and run. Yeah. Right behind the runner, runner goes to third. Runners on first and third. Whatever we did, I may have scored. I come off. One of my buddies says, you know, and, and the coach said, great job, Schwartz. And one of my friends said, little does he know you can't pull it, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only place you were ever going to hit it was right field. <laughs> so you've been a baseball fan for as long as you can remember. Did you, did you watch the Red Sox growing up? Were you a Red Sox fan? You know, I, I did. I listened to them more on the radio, okay. you know, yep. and uh, Ned Martin and, yep. and folks like that, although I watched Ken Coleman and others too. But I listened to them on the radio, and that's how I would fall asleep at night. Yeah, cool. And, and I also listened to the Oakland A's in the mid-'70s when I was 12, 13, and 14 when they yep. were lights yep. out. Yep. And, it, you know, I remember... I don't know, I have this memory of going to the lake with my mother taking us there one day and just having the radio on and listening to this great stuff yeah. that the A's were doing. Yeah. So yeah, it's cool. been that long. Yeah. I, I, I think of all sports, I think baseball is as much fun to listen to on the radio as it is watching on TV. The color commentators sometimes are, are even better. I mean, Remy's really good, but those guys on the radio are good. They are, and they, yeah. and they bring it to you, and of yeah. course that's the way it... You know, it it's just has such a history, and that's the way it used to be, was just radio. Yeah. So, uh, you know, 
was just great. And, you know, I, I had a lot of sleepless nights, I could say, or fell asleep listening to the games. Yeah. And then I was fortunate enough to actually be able to go to the uh, 1975 World Series. Oh, yes. My uncle, <clears throat> Sid Schwartz, uh, was the national chair of the of American Legion Baseball. Oh, wow. And as a result of that, uh, two things. First of all, the MVP trophy, even now in Maine, is called the Sid Schwartz Trophy. Oh, Somebody I didn't just you were connected. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And I, in fact, somebody just texted it uh, to me for a picture of it from from the state tournament in Augusta. Yeah. But it also meant that he got tickets, especially when the Red Sox were in the World Series. Yeah. So my folks had gone. I was only seven, but they had gone to the 1967. He took my brother and folks. Then we went to the 75 and the 86 World Series. Yeah. And I was not at Game Six or Seven, <laughs> unfortunately, but uh, but I was at Games One and Two. And we were in the bleachers and we had a blast. Yeah, fortunately or unfortunately, either one, because I would have cried the whole way home. But anyway, oh well, on Seven <laughs> yeah. for sure, yeah. but on Six it was you know Hallelujah with uh, with Fisk's right. home right. run. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so you you grew up in Portland. You come through during high school. What was your path? Did you go? Uh, what schools did you go through coming coming up? Uh, so I went to Baxter, okay, uh, on Ocean Avenue, and then I went to Lincoln, yeah, and then I went to Deering, yeah, and then uh, on from there I went to. Uh, so you went to ULMO? I did. I actually spent one year in acting school in New York at Hofstra. Yes, and it, uh, and actually. Two people that went to that program, not while I was there, were Christopher Walken yeah. and Madeline Kahn. Oh, my God. So I did that for a year. I didn't really care for acting, uh, and I switched over to what really was always my passion, which was uh, uh, politics and law. Yep. And then I went to Orono, uh, yep. and I graduated from Maine, and then I went to law school in Santa Clara, California. Yeah, cool. So. What, what wound you up in Santa Clara? I'm, I'm curious. My girlfriend Wendy, that I met in Washington D.C. while I was uh, working for Senator. There's Mitchell. always a girl. <laughs> I was meet, uh, working for Senator Mitchell. I was one of his first summer interns, yeah. and um, I met Wendy. She was working for a congressman from uh, California, and it was kind of we were fixed up on a blind date. We yep. hit it off, and uh, we broke up before I ever got to law school. We went to the same law school. Yep. And uh, and I don't regret uh, having gone to that law school. It was wonderful. And I had two sisters that lived out in that area in San Jose. Sure. I worked for the courts out there, um, both the federal court and the state court, uh, criminal court. And I, I just loved California. Yeah. And what, what drew you back to Maine? Um, well, it was kind of something that I always felt I was going to do. And uh, even though I didn't start by working for my dad, because my dad was an attorney in Maine, yeah. uh, it was always... A likelihood or a possibility so sure. so i came back here and i uh, didn't regret it and i didn't take the california bar which by the way is a three-day bar oh my uh, god maine was a two-day bar it made it somewhat easier yeah <laughs> still two days yeah. we'd be out we'd be out cross yeah <laughs> so we uh you you come back to maine your dad's got the law firm. Do you jump right in with your dad right up, right when you get back? You know, <clears throat> I did briefly. Yeah. Uh, it didn't work out for either of us, and that was more my fault than his. Okay. But uh, he rightfully had no respect for me as a lawyer, and sure. nor should he have. And I had no respect for or little respect for the level of uh, experience that you really need to know what you're doing. Sure. As my wife would remind me, who's also an attorney, yeah. uh, you know, his staff is much more important to him than you are right now, and you need to realize that. But what ended up happening was, is I was going to go back to maybe Capitol Hill, uh-huh. and I got a call 
that there was an opening in the York County DA's office. And so I interviewed and I got it. And I stayed there for about a year and three or four months. Mm -hmm. And I tried many, many jury trials, 13 to 20 jury trials, uh, maybe 80 bench trials, and just got a ton of trial experience against really good lawyers. My... I think my second jury trial ever was against Peter Detroit, one of the finest sure. lawyers in town who passed away a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, so I really got a great deal of experience. Then I was going to move on to the Cumberland County DA or to the AG's office where I had been made offers. And one of my dad's uh, office mates came to me and said, you know, your, your dad really wants you to come and practice with him. He'll never tell you that. He doesn't want to spoil your dreams, if you will. Sure. But he has a thriving practice. He's extremely experienced, and you'd be crazy not to come in. There's an opening in the, in the space. Yeah. And so I did go back, uh, and we had eight and a half great years before he took ill. Sure. I learned a ton. We worked so well together, yeah. and I it was the best eight and a half years of my law practice. Yeah. Isn't it funny? There's a, the, I, I think yours was law. But I think when people when people come back and when you're younger and you're out of college and you're you're ready to go, you think you got the world by the ass. And then you know somebody says you don't really have it by the ass. And it's you got know, you, you by the ass. You right? you are barely hanging on. <laughs> right. And, you know, and you separate for a couple minutes and then you're like, oh, okay, now now I get it. And then you go, then you go back. So I'm glad I'm glad you got that that time. And I know you you and your dad were were tight. Very much. So. And uh, and so great. so I know your I know your dad passed and. Um, took over the business at that point i did yeah, <clears throat> yeah. and uh you know my uh, my one of my friends is steve DeMillo, you know and we sometimes chat about having worked with our dads and then yeah. having you know taken over their businesses if sure. you will and that sort of thing and uh, you know trying to improve it uh and trying to sustain their good name and that sort of thing and that's something that i was able to do so uh and i'm very fortunate that i uh, care about the law as much as he did or almost as much because nobody could have loved it as much as he did. Sure. I think it's important to note that while you are giving to the community, you're a hell of a lawyer. I mean, I'm looking at some of these these awards that you're getting and I don't I mean there's too many to list. Which which one of these would you say means the most to you as as a lawyer? And we'll talk about your accolades as a as an, an announcer uh, and on the radio and as an umpire, I mean so many things. I, I think um the things that mean the most to me are when my peers have voted me into something like Best Lawyers in America, Super Lawyers of New England, or given me an AV rating through Martindale Hubble, which is a preeminent rating based on ability and ethical standards. And when the Maine Supreme Court has appointed me to the Board of Overseers of the Bar, mm-hmm. as they did, sure. and now as chair of the Lawyers Fund for Client Protection, uh, we are actually... Uh, almost an insurance policy, if you will, for if there's an unscrupulous lawyer uh, who has wronged somebody and does not have insurance, then uh, we step in and actually can help to pay a claim. So those honors, I think, bestowed upon me by either my peers or or the uh, Supreme Court are probably the the biggest. Yeah. And the ones that are most, uh, you know, most rewarding and... uh, Yeah. Feel, feel the best. Yeah. And do you still love it? <clears throat> I do. Um, I, I do love it. And I think it's important to love it uh, if you're practicing. Uh, it helps to be good and it helps to love it. And if you can put them both together, then I think it makes a really good lawyer. Um, 
I try not to get jaded after doing this for 32 years. There are some things that you you know you hear yeah. repeatedly and that sort of thing. But I spend as much time, and I do three types of law. I do personal injury for plaintiffs' uh, cases, although I don't advertise on television. Mm-hmm. I do um, criminal and traffic defense, and I do wills and probate law. Uh-huh. And, uh, and sometimes, especially in the criminal realm, I spend as much time talking to my clients about ways that they can uh, not recidivate as anything else, yep. you know, and uh, that's that's what we try to do. And in most of our civil cases, we try to settle them. That's what clients want. And as much as I like to try a case, uh, it's usually what's mo- usually what is best for our clients. So that's how it works. Yep. So you're a busy guy. You got a lot of cases. You're, you're, you're a trial lawyer, and I know that you, I don't know how much work that takes. But I've seen you at the end of a day when I'm like, "Hey, Steve, let's go grab a beer," and you're like, "Dude, I can't. I'm still at the office, and it's nine o'clock at night." And I'm like, "Oh my god, how do you do it?" And uh, so how did how did that how did you get into umpiring? How did that happen? Well, uh, so I coached my boys in little league for six years. I did yep. do, get to do that as I originally signed up. Uh, with Mike Woods, I thought that's all I was going to do, and then I did more. But I got to coach them for six years. I was mostly the the kind of keep score coach, if you will, and uh, the attaboy coach. Um, I worked uh, with Greg Dulac. I worked extensively with Tom Kilbride, who I think is one of the finest coaches to this day that I've ever met. He's a football official, yeah, sure. lacrosse official, and things now. And he graduated during two years ahead of me, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned so much from him that I was actually able to manage a team on my own and um, and take a nine ten year old all star team as well yeah. uh, as manager. So so I got involved in umpiring because when we were coaching, <laughs> when we were coaching, <laughs> Steve's laughing because my son just walked over and handed me a. Is fist. this a breast or a thigh? <laughs> <laughs> a fistful of chicken. Thanks, Aiden. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. So, Carry on. Well, yeah. So they have. <laughs> Steve's known the boys for. They, they, were, they were tiny. Thanks. Uh, <clears throat> they are great kids. So, um, you know, they used to have us umpire. And um, I, you know, most coaches would say, oh, I hate to have to umpire tonight, you know. Sure. And I threw on the gear and I just fell in love with it. And that's what happens if you get bit by the bug and you like it. Yeah. Then it's just something that you do. I, I umpire to relax. Yeah. I don't have to think about anything other than the rules watch a pretty good game and if i'm doing a good job miss part of a game because for example if i'm doing the bases and i'm running inside i can't see the home run that goes over the fence yeah. i'm i'm looking to make sure that somebody touched the base yeah. in case there's an appeal on a touch yeah. so um but be that as it may uh, that's how it started and then i just started doing some tournament work and things and you said you, off. you do this to relax I, I wow <laughs> I'm, I'm i mean as a coach uh i'd like to think that i'm respectful of the umpires and everything but i know that there have been times where you know things have definitely not agreed uh, on a call or whatever um i'm just surprised that you said that you do this to relax because i can see it being a uh that's such it, a truth. That's such you know, a truth. Uh, yeah. I, I personally don't think being a coach for so long, I don't think I could switch gears to to being an umpire. But, I mean, I guess 
I don't know if I'd go and argue with a lawyer. Well, well that's <laughs> we'd let you. We'd let you come out and try it. Though, right, as right. an umpire, I'll tell you, we can use always use good volunteers. And and by the way, I I, I did do some high school work. Um, I I became certified Western Maine baseball. Didn't have time to take a game. Became certified Western Maine softball. Did it for two years, and then the third year when I could have had three of Jess Brown's games from behind the plate when she got the Gatorade award I had an epiphany one night my I think my staff said you're really leaving today at three I said I can't do it you know and that's why I stick to Little League sure it's not for the you know obviously you don't get paid for Little League uh, but the time is great it's 530 or six o'clock or on the weekends uh, or a Saturday night. Everybody knows where to find me most Saturday nights during baseball season. I'll right. be in Westbrook doing games under the lights, softball or baseball. Yeah. And I love it. So uh, I do do it to relax. And I will say that in 10 years of umpiring, I have yet to have to eject a coach uh, or a player. Sometimes it happens. Uh, there are kids that will you know, drop an F-bomb one or two times. It just hasn't happened to me. Uh, and so I don't have to... Uh, you know, I haven't had to do that. So, yeah. Have you come close? Yes, I've had to. Well, one coach I had to restrict to the dugout, uh, but that was because I was con- doing a continuation game, and he came out of the dugout to argue something. And uh, one of the umpires said, "Steve, he was warned last night not to." So yeah. I said, "Coach, you're in the dugout." It happened if I, but yeah, there was a time. There was a coach from a from another league. And uh, he was questioning balls and strikes, which you really can't do. Um, by the way, most of us umpires might leave a game wondering, you know, if there were one or two pitches that we really maybe may have missed or could right, have gone sure. either way. And it kills us to, to think about it sometimes. But um, hopefully we can move on. But, but that particular coach uh, was jarring a little bit. And I came up between innings and I said, hey, coach. I said, Let's, that's enough of the balls and strikes business. Okay, I don't want to hear it. And he said, uh, you didn't hear anything from up here. I said, oh, okay, that's fine. I thought I did. And then I turned around. He said, but the strike zone is from the shoulders to the knees, isn't it? Jesus. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, actually, it's from the armpits to the top of the knees. And second of all, <laughs> you're done talking tonight. <laughs> or you will be uh, watching this game from the parking lot. Oh, That's one of the things that as a coach I've tried to impress upon my, my players is you, you don't understand you turning around and saying something to an umpire or be, that you disagree with a strike call or... You know that doesn't help you. They're not going to change the their strike or ball call. You know you can disagree all you want, but it's not going to help you. You know let the coaches do that. And I, I this summer I I don't think I argued with an umpire. I had conversations with an umpire because I had I had kids who disagreed with a call, and I'd say, hey, I'm just going to you know give this kid a you know a breather. And the umpire would look at me and say, thank you, like. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, once in a, you know, and sometimes we'll even say, you know, outside or something, I'll brush low or something like that. Um, In Bristol, they, uh, at the Little League uh, Regional, they didn't want us to use hand signals, you know, or something, you know, hit the the letters or, you know, whatever. So so we don't. But uh, I remember I had a coach this year and his first, he said, where did he miss? You know, and I said, uh, outside coach, you know. And then about, uh, you know, the next inning, I got it again. Where did he miss? I said, outside of the strike zone, coach. <laughs> I'm just trying to help my player. 
Coach, he knows where he threw it. <laughs> Don't you well, worry. That's, well, that's the thing. The, the yeah. angle from the dugout, you can yeah. you can see, you know, height. You can see high, low. You can't see in or out. You can't see in or out. And then and then some people will say, yeah, but I didn't see the catcher move his glove. Well, that's all well and good unless he set the catcher's... up six inches off the plate. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, I you know I had a coach come out and and say uh, last year and say you know where where is it? And I said, well, let's just say this, coach. I didn't just see chalk in between the catcher's glove and the ball. I saw dirt beyond the, the chalk line. Uh, it was way outside, Coach. Yeah. Sorry. Well, actually, Steve, I was going to ask you. It's interesting. Um, before you came, we were talking about um, a tweet that Andy had seen um, about parents kind of pressuring their children as they play baseball. Now, we talked about how a, a coach might apply a little pressure to you, maybe a player, but... Do you hear anything from the parents as you're doing a game? Um, well, you know, that's a great question. And and, uh, and sometimes the lines are drawn a little bit. We're really not supposed to engage fans and spectators. It's hard not to socialize a little bit. It depends how serious the game is and that sort of thing. And But I remember the days when I was on the board of the Little League, and once in a while we'd have to exclude more than one occasion, at least three occasions, people from coming to the field. Sure. So, And it wasn't just because they were questioning umpires. There were a lot of different reasons, sure. but that was one of them. Um, I remember uh, I was doing a game in Walderboro, a 9-10 tournament game, and there was a very, uh, very substantially large guy, parent, behind me, and I'm, I called a strike. I hear, really? <laughs> and, okay, it's fine. You know, three pitches later, call a strike. Really? Time! I go back. I just look at the guy. I didn't talk to the tournament director. I just said, sir, I said, look, you can stand there if you want, but you're not talking. Or you can go someplace else outside of my earshot. But you're distracting the kids, and you're distracting me, and that's not going to happen. So the guy looked at me. First of all, the guy's thighs were as big as my waist. Okay, remember Jim Rice? So, uh, and he looked at me with this look that was either half I'm going to move or half I'm going to jump over the fence and kill him. And he did move. And he was quiet the rest of the game. And then the people in Waldeboro asked me to come up the next day to uh, work another game. And when my name was announced, I saw him clapping. And I said, okay, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. You keep your eye on that guy, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah, but I mean, there is some of that. I, I've had a. I remember having a grandmother come up to me and say, "Oh my gosh, it must be so stressful what you do." I said, "Ma'am, this is the least stressful thing that I do. I'm a trial lawyer." <laughs> How much of that do you think makes you relax when you're on the baseball field and, and to keep things in perspective as an umpire? Your, the, the work that you do with you know, and I, I've seen some of the people that you've defended and. There's some pretty bad cases out there that you've you've helped them move past it, right? So, so, so get into the field and you have some ding dong. It might have had a few pops before he got there. That's, that's easy, right? <laughs> Hopefully not. At least in, at our level, because they're not supposed to drink and they'd be gone. But right. uh, yeah. but yeah, but no. I mean, it's just easily dealt with. I remember uh, I had a tournament game this year and I had a catcher who was um, obstructing home yep. and with her foot. And uh, I called the runner safe. And at the same time, uh, she, she got the ball after she had been blocking the plate. And she tagged, tagged the runner. And 
the parent, there was somebody out back that was saying, she didn't slide, she didn't slide. Well, you know, just so we're all aware, by the way, nowhere is there a must-slide rule, right. okay? It's a must-try-to-avoid rule, and uh, that's number one. And, and you certainly don't have to avoid somebody. I mean, you have to be careful, but you don't have to avoid somebody who is uh, obstructing your ability to get to a base. Yep. So, um, so. This this particular person was pretty vocal. I found out later that uh, within the last next half inning that the catcher was his daughter, <laughs> and I basically had to just turn around and say, "Hey, sir, we're done. Okay, uh, we're done uh, talking about it, and uh, or you can go sit someplace else." Then, and I don't want to hear you again. Right. And then, as the game was going on, he started to talk again, and he was being extremely encouraging to the players and. It was clear that, you know, he'd had a moment. And so after the game, I walked over to him, and, and, I, and I fist bumped him. And I said, you know, sir, I, I appreciate your passion. And I got kind of an awe from all the people in the stands. And so the point is that, you know, you know don't hold a grudge. Sure. Um, you know, everybody's there hopefully to enjoy the game. There was always going to be a few people that the umpire is standing in between uh, their son or daughter and a D1 scholarship right. and on that particular strikeout. Sure. But it's always the umpire's fault. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's interesting because it, a lot of parents think that they're coming to the, the defense of their, their son or daughter. And then I remember having one family member of mine say one thing to a coach when I was when I was in school and I was absolutely mortified and the same thing would apply if it was an umpire that they were speaking to and it's like as the player you're like in very uncomfortable position sometimes yeah, when sure that happens is. you know yeah. well you make a really good point you know and and so we as parents because I we are the parents of athletes and especially um, well all of our kids were athletes at one, at one level or another <clears throat> and um I think Gallagher basketball and Portland Pesa, you know, they hand out sheets to people before the season saying, you know, incur- you know, uh, cheer encouragingly. Don't, you know, necessarily call people up by name. Don't be negative. And, um, and so that's what we, you know, tried to live. And, that, and, and, and uh, so I don't think we ever spoke to or maybe one time in so many years that we would ever have even asked a coach something. Let them do their thing. And you just deal with it in life, just like when you get a job. Sure, sure. That is so refreshing. It, it, it's to hear. so refreshing. I'm telling you, I, every time I talk to Steve, I, I, it's, it's 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 always a positive conversation. It's always a good outlook, good take. But let me ask you this: a really hard question. Major League Baseball calls you. It says, Steve, we've got an opening on one of the crews, but you got to give up law. You got to give up broadcasting. You got to move out of Maine. Major League Baseball. You're an umpire. You're on one of the crews, traveling crew. What's your answer? First of all, you're paying me enough to be able to pay my three college educations that I'm paying and my mortgage. Because if the answer is yes, I'm off yeah. to MLB. Yeah. Now I'm 57 years old, so that's not going to happen. And I don't want to tell you. I don't, don't think I haven't looked into it. <laughs> is Wendell's dad school? Is MILB school? Is yeah. Evans school? Sure. 
uh, and you can pay to go, and they guarantee you like six weeks, uh, or they guarantee you two weeks out of the six, and then yep. they send the top ten percent up to rookie ball, right. and then then you have a ten year track to the majors where they're paying you like twenty five hundred a month while you're and per diem while you're traveling and all your expenses. Uh, yeah, I've looked into it, <laughs> but then you get to the show, you're making six figures, and sure. some of them may be making around three eighty or four hundred, yeah. um, and uh, yeah, oh, I've looked into it. Yeah, I, I uh, when I was down in college, we played down in Florida my last two years, and it was they used the the college games as training grounds for the for the MILB, and uh, I started a bench clearing brawl down there. And I, I'll I'll say it was by accident, um, but it really wasn't. I was just being a punk, you know, twenty twenty year old, and uh, one of the one of the the crew chiefs that was watching the umpires, he was actually judging the umpires, was on the crew. When he was at first base, and I saw him just like back out as this this little truck of a guy from Merrimack came at me, and and uh, and he just was backing off. He wasn't breaking the fight up, and uh, so afterwards, I was like, I was like, "What are you doing in that situation?" He goes, "I just I just stand back and take numbers." He goes, "They don't pay me enough <laughs> to, right. to jump in the middle of a twenty and twenty one year old fight." And he's like, "I'm you know I'm fifty something years old," but that was his job was to to. to gauge whether or not they were the 10% that moved up. So my wife has a question about baseball fights. Um, she's from Philadelphia. Yep. We went to the Patriots game last night. She was all in her Eagles regalia. I was in my Patriots regalia. She wants to know why pitchers <clears throat> during a baseball fight all run in side by side from the bullpen into the fray. Why don't they just stop out there in the outfield and fight each other if they're going to be, be part a of a question. fight? That's a, that's a legit question. That is a great question. I would like to ask somebody. We should call Kenny Joyce and see what he thinks about yeah. that. I, I, actually, I, I, I think it's, I think it's because they, the baseball players just want that a piece of that one person that started it. That's my that's my uh-huh. opinion. But it's also, you know, they don't really want to fight. Right. If they throw they throw a punch and they break a hand. Uh, break a hand. They're it's going down. The, right. It's right. a big deal. So. So a lot of those guys, that's why they're, it's always a wrestling match. It's never really, you know, guys pulling on shirts. I mean, in the 60s, weren't they being driven in by the baseball? Right, the, the, the baseball. baseball yeah, that's right. <laughs> to, even to a fight? No. <laughs> Everybody hop on. Yeah. <laughs> thing runs out of gas halfway there. Um, so I want to get into the broadcasting thing. Um, so you're, you're very, you're obviously you're very well-spoken. You... You love talking to people. How did you? How, how did broadcasting? My problem is I like talking, and yes. uh, actually, <laughs> I um, I was a uh, one of my majors uh, was broadcasting. Yeah. Um, uh, I as I I think I don't know if I said on this show I went to acting school did, for a yeah, year. Yeah. So I so I did that, you know, and I and I did speeches in high school. It was one of the things that I, I guess I was kind of good at, and so um, just a natural. Pres- Progression. I actually did the news for WMEB the morning uh, in Orono, the, the morning after John Lennon was killed. Oh, man. Really? So I actually uh, you know, wrote up that little piece and, and asked the DJ to segue into Imagine, of course, and yep. that sort of thing. Yep. And um, so I, you know, I did that. And uh, I, you know, I mean, one of my, uh, one of my majors was broadcasting. Yep. So I, I did it. And then uh, periodically I would do some things. I think I was... Uh, Stringer for a boxing match and things like that for um, MPBN or something. And then uh, I really just, um, this is how it all came about. Uh, like everything, 
started with my kids yep. because just like the Little League did. So my kids are doing sports, and there, were, there was always a parent who was filming. Yep. And uh, they said, you know, we need somebody to film. And then I was watching Channel 3 in Portland, and I saw this really good young man from Deering. Yep. And he was broadcasting, but he was actually facing the camera, not just saying, goal, you know, John Smith, <laughs> yep. or nothing, as some people did. And um, I said, you know, I think, I think we can do this. Yeah. So I, I, ended, I started by doing all of uh, my kids' soccer games um, and wrestling matches and lacrosse games. I did a little bit of baseball, and, I did, and then I started doing playoff games. Yeah. And I did Deering uh, in the playoffs, basketball in Portland. And then it just happened. So Steve Howell and his friends stopped after uh, 17 years broadcasting uh, Portland High School football games. And Henry Guillo, the station yeah. manager, yep. said, Steve, are you interested? Yep. So I did that. And I did. Uh, and then I started doing Joey Russo's basketball sure. games. Yep. And now those are the only things I still do. Even my kids are long gone from Portland High School. Sure. And that's what I still do. Yeah, you had a, you had a, you've had a good run the last last couple of years. Some good basketball over at Portland High School. Three out of four state championships, or three championships in five years, sure. including two in a row, yeah. and uh, also three two three Western Maine championship football games. Two yeah. of which they they won to get into the states, sure. and then yeah. of course they ran into the Thornton Academy uh, juggernaut. Yeah, we had uh, Joe on the program a couple months ago, and he was. I mean, he's. You know him well enough to know that he's a, he's a really good guy, and it was really fun to listen to him talk about his players and that run that they've had so far, and some of the kids that are going on to to play at the next level. Let me just say, Joe Russo to me is one of the finest people and one of the finest coaches uh, ever. Yeah, for him to take a team of uh, you know teams of of local kids that have been here forever and immigrants yep. and everybody and mold meld them into a cohesive team yeah. he I, I don't know a coach that knows how to use role players better than yeah. joe russo yeah and now he's going to be inducted into the main basketball yeah. hall of fame and i'm going to be there this sunday uh, that's cool that's cool yeah he he deserves it i mean he's worked hard and he's put his he's put his time in but he's also he's still passionate about it i, I always ask guys do you still love it you know like i asked you with the law and he's you can hear it in his voice you don't even have to you could just you don't have to ask him the question. You could just hear it. He just loves doing what he's doing. And let me just say, I don't remember ever seeing him getting teed up by a by a uh, by yeah. a referee. I don't right. think he's ever had a technical, or if he has, it's been years ago. Yeah. He's he's such a mellow guy. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, so let me ask you this question: ESPN calls. It's the same. It's the same thing. Uh, if. You know, ESPN just had a whole bunch of layoffs. Um, I, you know, I, I've sent I love that, that. You've done your research. <laughs> I've sent around the resume around a little bit, but you know, and of course, we have an example. Gary Thorne was a great lawyer yeah. in Maine, and then he went on to do the Maine guides, and then he went on to ESPN, and uh, he uh, went on first starting doing University of Maine work, and now yeah. he's the voice of the Orioles. So. Um, you know, that's crossed my mind, too. Yep. But I'm very happy doing what I'm doing, and I think the law is, you know, something that I'm already entrenched in. Yeah. And I, I have an established practice, and it would be very difficult to break away. Yeah, and I, I, I would be remiss, and I know, you, I know you're on a time crunch here, but I would be remiss. You, you, you donate a lot of money. You give, you give back to the community a lot, and I know we were the recipients of that. And I, I, uh, I don't think people – you do that silently. 
and I know you do a lot of. I mean, you've sponsored teams. How many teams? I mean, it's probably countless teams that you've you've sponsored or helped out in some way, shape, or form. And it was never to put your name on something other than other than maybe we were in the paper because we were a high school team. But but how many? I mean. How good does that feel? How, do, how does that feel to give back to the community? Look, it Talk feels great. You know, I mean, yeah. it feels great to, to be able to do that, it, it, you know, uh, whether it's financial or whether it's with time. Yep. Yep. Uh, we, we did a little bit of a – I had a speak before the school committee last year when I was seeking, uh, you know uh, – more funds, if you will, for Channel 3, which is a totally, uh, I mean, it's run by the station manager and the school department, but the broadcasters and anybody who does anything with it are pretty much volunteers. And um, I think we figured that we had put in maybe, including travel and prep time, maybe 3,500 volunteer hours since we started uh, broadcasting. So that's, That's but of course it's also a hobby. I love it. So, So, um, your, uh, you've been to the Little League Softball World Series and umpired there. You went to the New Englands for baseball this year. Are those the only two appearances that you've done at regionals or at or at a national level? Well, before I did the World Series, yep. I, I did in 2015. I did the softball regional in yep. Bristol, yep. and then the next year was the World Series, and then I took a break, and then this year I was fortunate enough to have been selected to do the baseball. So, um, give me your favorite moment. Give me a good. Give me a good story from one of those, one of those experiences. Well, I mean, aside from being on the field twice this year for Gregory Bruno from New York, Staten Island, New York's uh, no hitter and perfect game that brought them to uh, the, um, you know, the, uh, uh, the, to the World Series yeah. to the show. You know, obviously being selected as the plate umpire for the World Championship softball was a tremendous honor and thrill, and I loved it. And uh, I was, um, you know, but a story from that World Series was there was a catcher who was as tall as I am from (laughs) British Columbia, and she didn't care for my strike zone, so (laughs) I don't believe. So around the second inning when she got one, a ball in there and she without even looking back she said sir am i blocking the plate in any way <laughs> and i said no ma'am that was just high and outside in my judgment <laughs> and i saw her and her parents at a picnic and they let me take a picture with her and uh, and i said you made my tournament <laughs> she said oh i say that all the time <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, it must be so cool, cool to watch a kid's just. I, I love how they're the. And I wish Major League Baseball had still had this, but that Little League World Series and his little brother played in the Little League World Series back with the 2005 Westbrook kids when these guys went to the state state championship for high school ball. But they they've got some great great stories about just being a team. But but also afterwards, it really the once the game ends. They're like high five, and they're sad, but they're high five in the other team, and they're talking to the other team. I wish that still existed at the at the next level. Why does that die at the next level? But for you, it must be it must be fun to just sit back and watch as kind of kind of a bystander, kind of a. I gotta you know, say, uh, just one of my favorite things was uh, there was a there was a one of the Scarborough players in the state softball tournament in in South Berwick uh, a couple years ago, and she's just standing there with her dad. You know, and he's she's already at the. I think they won, but but they're at the snack bar, and I'm wa- I'm going away. She says, "See you, Blue. Love you." 
and it was just so <laughs> sweet, you so know. Yeah. And that that kind of thing is just so yeah. nice and rewarding, and yeah. uh, you know. But I, I think in you know at the in the MLB, it's a different story. You're dealing with huge egos. Yeah. You're dealing lots with um, lots and lots of money, yeah. and every call might mean something to yeah. somebody more than just you know uh, in a particular game. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and the pressure on those umpires is, is, and players and coaches and everybody is pretty, pretty severe. And how often do they get it right? And on those really tight, those bang bang plays at first base, when when we're looking at it in slow motion, super slow motion, we're still looking at it going, did they get it right or did right. they not get it? They're just, it's an instant call. They're just, they make their mind up and, and more times than not, they're right. Yeah. You're right, and and by the way, speaking about it being an instant call, there is there's a something that that we do as umpires is we actually say it's no call until we make it. So we yeah. actually want to see it, say it, and then call it. Yeah. So we want to take a moment, uh, a second or two of delay. And I have a, a friend, uh, Mark Lamontagne, who's umpired in Portland yeah. forever, yeah. and he has this saying. We were kicking around before a, gig, a state tournament game in Wyndham, and he said, or a district tournament game in Wyndham, and he, said, he's, he just says, you know, you can't slow it down fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of umpires that have a dramatic pauses, like the first base call when it's, when it's really close and the game's yeah. tight. They'll take a step back. And then, they'll, you know, they, then yeah. they'll punch it out. They'll or, take a picture of it in their mind and, right. then, and then look at it and then make the call. Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's yeah. nothing worse than having your hand start to go up and then go save. Oh, and and actually, I heard there was an umpire once who, uh, you hear this one where there's a tag. Yeah. And sometimes an umpire says what? Show me the ball. Yeah. So the player does a tag. Shows the umpire the ball. The umpire goes safe. Would you need to see the ball then? <laughs> that would be Just panic mode. Yeah. That'd be panic mode yeah. for the umpire. Oh, let me God. tell you. I would get. I mean, I, I tell you the, the patience level that a lot of the umpires and I've, I've, we've, you and I have talked about this before. But um, there's, there's been a couple of guys that I've had tremendous amount of respect for because I'll go out there and, and, and an umpire if they're not an egotistical, if I don't know that they're. E- they're not. If I don't know them, I give them the benefit of the doubt, and I'll walk out and say, "Talk to me. What happened?" And uh, and a lot of the times we go out there just to get our team fired up, you know. Right. Unless it's an egomaniac, then we go out there to let them have it. But but most of the time, you go out there, and, and if an umpire says to me, "I got it wrong. I'm sorry. I'm not going to take it back. I got it wrong. I'm not going to make it up to you, but I screwed up. I'm sorry." I'll walk away and go, "Thank you for your honesty," and I'll walk away. And if they screw up again, then obviously it's going to be a totally different, different conversation. But if they do that, and it's you know what, no problem. You're, that you're, humility, yeah, yeah you, you got to have the humility to say I screwed up. I'm human. I you actually know, have and, a and case okay for that. you. A uh, uh, question for you because yeah. in Little League, of course, they were they, they now have review. Yeah. And I, I will. I'm proud to say that uh, I had four calls that were questioned during this particular regional that I was just at, and all four upheld. Yep. So I was pretty happy about that, but. <laughs> What is it that prevents an umpire from at that level, at the high school level, from changing their call if they all get together and say, um, I mean, you don't want to do it every single time, right. but I mean, you know, were you screened or did you see that he took his foot off the base because the home plate umpire sure. was looking at it? Yep. Can't they reverse their calls? They, they, I think they can reverse their calls. They just, I think more times than not, if, if they're not 100% sure. Ah. 
they won't do it. And, and, and most of the time, there's, I would say 90% of the umps, if you ask them, can you just go check that? If it's a checkable call, then they'll do it. And they, you, maybe one time out of 100, you'll get a call reversed. But my, my, the only time I ever ask them to do that is if I see that they're out of position, if they were lazy about moving, like if a home plate umpire isn't getting up the first baseline. Right. Or if they're, you know, they're watching the wrong base, and, and I see that happen, I'll go out there and say, listen, I watched where you were looking. Andy and I well, we were thinking about that Westbrook game where an umpire was completely out of position, made the wrong call, and then the home plate umpire backed them up, and we're all, even the Westbrook fans were, were barking at them. And I was finally like, I was like, that's, you guys screwed this up, and you screwed up our playoff run, and, you know, and all this Ooh. stuff. So that's when, it's the only time I really get hot under the collar is when they're completely out of position because they were being lazy. But I think, I think that's the only time I'll call for it is when I see that. And even then, one out of yeah. one out of one out of. We had times. an interesting one at the state tournament at Husson where we had a um, asked a kid to bunt, and he got the bunt down, and it, and it hit him in the foot. They didn't call it foul, and he stopped running, so they called him out at the plate. Well, his foot was out of the box, and I saw that. But I went down to the plate umpire and said, hey, I, you know, my angle, he had it at the foot. And I said, I know you're behind him, so you can't always see that. Because the way he squared, he couldn't see probably the ball even hit the bat. And so he goes, yeah, I'll, I'll go and, and talk with uh, everybody. Brings everybody in. And they, they end up saying, well, it did hit him. But the first base umpire had his foot out of the box. And I said to the plate umpire, I said, yeah, you got that right. I said, yeah, I had to try. <laughs> <laughs> Andy's Andy's so cool when he goes out. Did, Cross, you, you ever get hot on the color when you when you get out there? It's happened once, it, only once, uh, and it was it was a while ago. But now I'm just, sir, please, thank you, yeah. and just because of what you, we talked about, if if an official or an umpire can can just acknowledge some of those things, you're like, well, yeah. I'm just a, I'm just I, another I human that. too, yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, that happened to me in uh, Westbrook once, and uh, a call I was just completely screened on, and uh, I guess the kid was either safe or out. I called, made the wrong call, and um, you know, they, there was a time. Every, and we got it right because there were two other umpires who were able to get eyes on it, and um, everybody clapped, including the people who the call went against. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Because we were willing to, you know, say, look, you know, we messed that one up. Yeah. You know? and, and, and everybody and, knows it. People know it. Like, we, we that, that Westbrook call this was one of the worst calls I've ever seen, but there, there had been several, and we literally had fans over there apologizing to us after the game and said, you guys got screwed. There was two big calls in oh, the 6th and 7th inning, <clears> and, were, and it was a Westbrook, it was a Westbrook dad, and it was like a, this whole thing, but, but it, you know, that's of all the calls that I, I can honestly say in in the time that I spent in high school, there's been a few that I remember where I was really hot under the call. The rest of the time, they're, they're, I know they're doing the best that they can do. We really do try. Yeah. I mean, we study mechanics. There are there are 60-foot diamond mechanics. There are 90-foot diamond mechanics. We want to be in the right position to right. make the right call, right. and we talk about it. We have pre-games and post-games. And so even though I say I go out there to relax, I mean, you know, I have to concentrate too because if I because I might make that lazy call yep. or make a call and not not keep my eye on it and yep. stuff. So you know, we really want to do that. Now, little league's a little bit different sure. because we, in fact, when I was a coaching coordinator, we instituted a contract that coaches had to sign, and our particular little league had a bad rap. We couldn't get a lot of umpires. Okay, 
and that changed and um, over time and now I still give the speech sometimes to the umpires to the to the coaches now at the coaches meeting um, for Portland Little League and we'll say look you know this is what you can challenge this is what you can't challenge we want sure. managers only we don't want a lot of stuff and here's what's going to happen if it does people are going to stop volunteering and you guys are going to start right. umpiring that's again right. yeah. well that's enough for them to you know <laughs> toe the line almost always yeah an interesting perspective I would like to, to hear Steve's perspective on because all of us we've coached at varying levels like we coached together in high school and now I'm coaching at the middle school level so the intensity is a little bit yeah. is a little bit different yeah. is it obviously for you guys your focus needs to stay the same but is there a different feel to those to the different levels of games that, that you officiate or well, first of all you that is an excellent question because i have chosen to limit myself to little league ball and maybe a little bit on, on occasion a little aau ball or something on a weekend or something like yeah. that but usually a u12 or something and not a big diamond or softball um so uh there is you know so so no what we miss out on, what I miss out on, is seeing these kids progress right. and seeing. So, like, if I if I get to see a curveball, you know, I'm excited as heck. And if I see a kid <laughs> duck under a curveball and it ducks in as a strike, and I'm staying right there because you know we're taught to do as umpires to do everything against our normal intuition when something is being thrown at you. Yep. You're supposed to stay there, take it, do not try not to move, don't right. flinch. Or anything, because you have to see. So, um, so what you know, I don't. I don't treat it any differently. I, I enjoyed doing middle school softball as much as I enjoyed doing high school softball or little league softball. I'm just going to say, middle school girls were a little bit. Uh, believe it or not, we're a little mouthier, <laughs> you know, and a little less mature, if you will, at, at a, on occasion. And I, and I'd say, I, you know, they'd say something about my partner or something, and and um, I'd say, I don't want to hear you talk like that. And I didn't say anything. Well, you know, okay, all right, that's fine, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> so, uh, you know, but um, but I, I'm also going to say the best play I, to this date that I've ever seen in, in all the years that I've been doing this, though, the thing that just was so heartwarming was a 10-year-old girl right at the, the Deering Field. She, she uh, dives and gets put on her back catching a line drive. And while she's on her back, has the presence of mind to flip the ball to the third baseman and doubles off the runner oh, off a ten year old. That's pretty good. And I looked at her father who was coaching the other team from the dugout and we looked at each other and just he put his hands up like I don't know. I didn't teach her that. <laughs> I don't know how that happened either. And he's now coaching in in, in or his daughter's in Wyndham now. I don't even know if she's still playing anymore. But yeah. it was just just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I have a question about Bristol, actually, because um, I know from when my brother was there and how they treat the, the players, and, you know, they've got that awesome, like, dorm situation where they, you know, at, in between games or after a game, you know, you go back to your dorm, you change, you shower, you get some food, and there's there's ping pong and there's a pool and all this stuff. What, what do they do for the umpires? Are you on your own there, or do they set you up in kind of a similar situation? That's a great question. We're not allowed to uh, to go in. Well, I mean, we shouldn't uh, go into the complex where the kids are staying, and so we don't. We have other ways to go. We we do interact with them at the cafeteria. Royal down there does a great job with the food, which is great. So we're provided that food. 
we are uh, provided a hotel. So we all stay in the ho- same hotel, and our hotel happened to have a whirlpool and a pool that we needed every night, practically. You'd be surprised how many Advils and Aleves umpires <laughs> pop before and after games. I'm just saying. Okay. But uh, thankfully, my chi- I did a few of my chiropractor's games, uh, son's games, and, and so she could <laughs> take a look at my plate stands and help me adjust a little bit, which was great. But um, so they do that for us. And then, you know, we get a little bit of a stipend sometimes. Like our district gives it, gave us a stipend. My local league gave me a stipend. And the uh, State of Maine Umpire Clinic gave me a stipend. And, and so if we're fortunate enough to be able to travel then that's what we get. Uh, uh, when I did the World Series, on top of that, Little League Baseball gave us a $400 check to help to defray travel costs. That's nice. So that's, yeah. that's a nice thing. But we don't, um, and, and actually got more than that from Portland Little League, which was oh, just that's um, awesome. great. Yeah. So, and the other thing that Portland did, and, I, and that's why I never forget this, is they, got, they bought me my first uh, set of gear. Oh, really? Several hundred dollars. And I went down to Connecticut to try it on and make sure it was fitting correctly when I did it. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to make sure that it was right. And so most of that gear is long gone, but I have never forgotten that, and I try to give that give back my time mostly to the Portland Little League because of it, although I do travel a little bit. Yeah, I know that. I know the board was really. I was at the board meeting where you said goodbye, and and everyone was like, "Man, that sucks. <laughs> He's not going to be here anymore." But you know, you're, you're sticking it out. Obviously, doing the umpiring thing, and you're you know you're mentoring a, a good kid and and you know, and I know he thinks a lot of you, as as most of us. I mean, I I, I can't speak for these two, but I I know. I know no, you can I, speak for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, um, I know you got to get going, and I, 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 can't, I thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. And I, I mean, I, I told you beforehand, I've got so many more questions for you. So if you, um, if you have a desire and you want to come back when we have um, such people as, as Frank Myatt and Jerry Myatt and oh, I love those you know, fo- folks that you know, yeah. that we'd, we'd love to have you on. And, and I'd be and delighted. With us, so. I would be. Yeah, it was yeah. really a lot of fun. I'd be absolutely delighted. I think what you're doing is terrific. So nice thank you kindly. Thank you so much for coming on. And, and uh, I, I look forward to seeing you around town. Okay, my friend. Really look forward to it as well. Yeah, and thank you guys yeah. too for, for thanks, Tim. Thanks, Steve. Yep. Thank you. Both. You done yet? Oh, me something tall and strong Make it a hurricane before I go insane It's only half past twelve, but I don't care It's five o'clock somewhere So listen, you guys called me, I was listening to the podcast without me on it So which one were you listening to? Uh... Well, I actually listened to the. Uh, oh, I just started listening to the Regan Flaherty interview. Yep. Uh-oh. And um, the feedback that I have for you is it's much better with me on it. <laughs> why do you say? Why do you say that? Because well, I think everyone knows where the talent comes from on the show. <laughs> the t- obviously, the talent goes to California when we right. need it most, and then makes up excuses <laughs> about why he can't call in. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm on a I'm was, on a tour bus. That was the weakest. Traveling. That was the weakest excuse I'm, ever. Yeah, really. And you were bringing moisture to the Southwest. Like, I don't yes, I was. A, a hurricane uh, Hurricane John blew yep. through while I was there. Coincidence? I don't think so. <laughs> it's uh, so I'm I'm in the midst of a uh, 900 mile trip to Wilmington, North Carolina. Yep. No way. What, what, what am, are you doing uh, down there? 
Well, we're we're dropping AJ off at it's at college. He's yeah. actually uh, he and Anna are already there, and I am driving the car down Yo. with all his junk in it. So all his gear. Yep. So. I'm so, probably in violation of whatever state I'm in right now. I think I'm south of New Jersey. Yeah. What, 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 what's after New Jersey, anyways? Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania? Are you in Pennsylvania? <laughs> Video surveillance in this lane. Okay, great. I'll be getting a ticket <laughs> from someone, some yep. state, whatever state I'm in right now. I wonder. So I'm working on, th- I'm working on three hours sleep. Yeah. We took the red eye from San Diego, San Diego. <laughs> And, That's uh, uh, Spanish. <laughs> San Diego. I learned a lot of San Pedro, San Diego, San Francisco. I learned a lot of Spanish words in California. Um, we had a great trip. We saw four ballparks. Cool. cool. What, which ones did you see? Four MLB parks. We went to the AT&T Park, the San Francisco Giants. Sat uh, out in right field oh, wow. uh, with the backdrop of McCovey Cove. Uh, we went to the Oakland uh, Alameda County Coliseum to see the A's. <laughs> and we traveled down to uh, Los Angeles to Chavez Ravine and saw the Dodgers play. And then we went to San, San Diego and we, uh, we went to Petco Park to see the Padres play. If you had, if you had to rank them in, uh, in ballpark uh, greatness from one to yes. four, who, which one was the best? And which one well, was I'm going to surprise you with this answer. Hold on, let me guess. You, you, I'm going to guess Oakland. Giants. <laughs> that is uh, that is uh, not the case. Oh. You're, you're going to think I'm going to say San Francisco, but my yeah. favorite park was actually Petco Park. Really? And yeah, um, it was. It's built right in the in the center of their gas uh, gas lamp district. Okay. And uh, they used a, an old building as the as the left field line, as the corner part of the field. And they built around this building called the Western Supply Company. And um, it's just a beautiful park that's really like you just, it's really right right in the center of the city. Um, so it's pretty amazing um, how it was built. Uh, AT&T, the San Francisco park was, that was pretty amazing too. Um, beautiful park. Yeah. Uh, the Dodgers is, is pretty neat because it has like a nice backdrop and, Stuff. You can see the mountains, uh, but it's an older park, um, and uh, the Oakland Alameda County Coliseum. Well, they should just close that place because it's an absolute dump. Yeah. Now, were you at the but, uh, uh, Giants game the night that uh, Barry Bonds' uh, his number went? No, up we the were Raptors? there the night be- the night before that. Oh, so you so you missed, we were there. You missed the show. We missed the show. Yeah, they had a. I did see from a distance a, a boyhood hero of mine, Gaylord Perry. Yes. A great knuckleballer. Hall of Famer for Padres. Yep. He was uh, throughout the first pitch at our game, but uh, we had uh, we had a great trip. Uh, so now we've seen uh, nine of the thirty major league parks. Uh, Twenty-one to go. <laughs> John, uh, John. I, I have an update for you guys. Yeah, go. I this think sh- I'm in Delaware. <laughs> you're in Delaware. Yeah. Wow. You're, what gave that I away? Believe, Which are you taking? Ninety-five. Uh, said, "Welcome to Delaware." Does, oh, it gives it. That's a dead giveaway. Good one. So you're driving further away from the podcast, is what you're saying? I'm driving further away from the podcast. Yep. Yes. Metaphorically. Yes, so I'm, I'm just kidding. You do you guys think are this doing is metaphorical? <laughs> What's that? Is this metaphorically speaking? You're driving. Metaphorically, further away. Yeah. yes. 
Well, we're need a, need a fork. Indy and I suspended. Yeah. Indy and I suspended you anyway. I heard that I was suspended. You were suspended. It's gone swimmingly since you've uh, yeah. been. Uh, Speaking of being suspended, I'm on a suspended bridge right now. Cool. Wow. Hey, we, we, we replaced you with one of the greats. This might be Chesapeake Bay. I'm going over right now. Are you ignoring me? He is. Or are you just uh, not listening? One or the other? No, I just have bad hearing. <laughs> what did you say? I'm re- I, we replaced you with one of the greats. 2005 what? had one of the greatest sliding divers, uh, diving catches from right field. Oh, my God. Who can Tyler Crosby made out there in right That's field? That's it. Hey, I can, I'll tell you what. I'll never forget it. I, I actually had a story, Coach, that I wanted to share while I was on okay. the Okay. <laughs> and... So one thing I always talk about, I talk with Jack Beliveau often about this. Jack was our shortstop. Yeah. Is when when you and Tim first came to Westbrook, we started a senior babe team, not even a legion team at that point in time, and we were like That's thirteen right. or That's fourteen. Right. And so we must have been freshmen or maybe eighth grade year or something along those lines. And we were going to one of the games, and uh, Jack and I. Um, we're going to ride with one a friend of ours, but there was no room in the car. So we ended up riding with Coach John. And we were young, and we were a little bit nervous about meeting the varsity coach and, and riding up to a game with the varsity coach. So we were kind of sitting there silently until uh, it's 5 o'clock somewhere. came on the radio, Alan Jackson and Jimmy Buffett, and, and Coach John started singing and, and kind of cut the tension, and Jack and I joined in right behind him. <laughs> <laughs> I have a uh, yeah, story. Yeah, I have a lasting memory of of you and uh, you and Jack uh, singing that song uh, in the dugout. I think it was one night at, uh, before Legion game that either you or Jack or somebody was slept in the dugout the night before the game. <laughs> that, that sounds that sounds more like me than Jack. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, Anyway, so just remember you and Jack singing that song, and I just—I don't know. Yeah, we're probably just harkening back to when we were in the car together. But yeah, oh yeah. I, I'll never fun. forget you guys singing that song. I think that yeah. was the same—that was the same day that Delfonso hit the four home runs in one game. Yes, I'm wearing my triple crown hat right now. As a matter right, of fact, Anthony Delfonso. I love it. How was the drive so far? So far, um, I've eaten uh, a. Uh, Five-pound bag of uh, peanut M&M's. Yeah. Uh, That's what Lindsay was eating a, on the way uh, home from Boston. A three-and-a-half, uh, well, I don't know, no, a half a pound of honey cashews. Oh, yeah. Uh, one large coffee, one donut. Big bag I'm of Funyuns. i inventory right now. Uh, full, <laughs> bag of, full bag of Fritos. Yeah. Half a jug of water. Uh has My goal hasn't pulled over yet. <laughs> I pulled over one time. Five what, hours in. Was it to throw up? It was to, it was to hurl. Actually, I was in New Jersey, and it smelled so bad that I, I really did feel like it was. it's about 87 degrees Ugh. in humid, and, yeah, it smelled bad. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, try, I'm trying to make it. I, I don't really want to stop again, you know? So, so these little... Uh, Mental interruptions, uh, like you guys calling me, yeah. are, are to help to pass the time. I don't uh, mean to so diminish yeah, pretty, you, diminish your trip here, Coach, but we're at 65 Gray Road in Falmouth. Do you know what that establishment is? 
isn't that uh, Madden's Pub and Grill? Oh, you've it, heard of it. it. You've heard of it. Yeah. Um, and for those of you that haven't, it's in the Hanford Plaza. They just brought out a lovely <laughs> tray of food. Yeah. Uh, for those of us that are here, um, you know, actually podcasting looks delicious. That's great. Mouthwatering. That's just great. John, when do you That's think when do you think your uh, when do you think your suspension should be over with? In your opinion, when do you think we should uh, remove your suspension? I feel I feel like uh, I feel like uh, my suspension has been served. You're, de- you're, what, you're driving away from us. Right. Should we have a restorative conversation? We should have that? a restorative <laughs> conversation. I think, I think we, we should bring Roger Goodell in to, you mm-hmm. know, because he, he definitely media. definitely is going to make sure that your suspension is, you know, the proper amount uh-huh. of time. Mm-hmm. Do I get any credit for having uh, to drive my son's stuff to him in North Carolina? That's just another excuse. Let's That's let's face it. Just a, <laughs> another weak, weak-ass excuse. It's a weak, weak excuse. <laughs> weak excuse. Uh, uh, well, I, uh, I I look forward to rejoining the uh, podcast um, and making it better. Yeah. Oh, I don't know about well, that. Yeah. <laughs> coming back. I mean, we really like we really like Tyler a lot. He's pretty good. Well, Tyler's welcome to join. I'm not saying let's push Tyler out of there. I, I personally think the other John Eisenhardt's done a better John, job. What do you, nice what do you think too. about joining the podcast, well, little he's John? Pretty good too. I would take me? I would take yeah. him over me. Me. Yeah, what do you think about joining the podcast instead of Uncle Johnny? It's a lot more fun if if I think of it. Yeah, it's more fun. You would be more fun than Uncle Johnny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think course. our listeners would agree. Do you think Uncle Johnny? <laughs> do you think Uncle Johnny is funny? No. Think of all the listeners that we would get from Lyseth School. That's a good point. That's a good I, I point. I don't think that any of my teachers would ever listen to this. I have no doubt in my <laughs> mind that they would. Now, listen. Do you think you're going to be as funny as Uncle Johnny one day? Yes, I think I'm going to be a lot more funny because, I mean, I don't think he has any sense of humor. You don't at all? Oh, no. no. Oh, I didn't. Oh, cutting to the yeah. core there. Yeah, John, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about your namesake uh, um, dissing you like that from 500 miles away? I think, I think he's crying. Yeah, he's speechless. I've got to go to the bathroom. Please excuse me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when you named him John Eisenhart, I thought that boy was going to do greater things than this John Eisenhart. So I fully expect him to be better at this than me. That's podcast gold. <laughs> Did you just hear? Did you just hear what John just said? No. He just dissed you and goes, "I gotta go to the bathroom." <laughs> And you think I this podcast is better without you, <laughs> Coach's Corner Booth? <laughs> yeah. I just finished a thirty-three fluid ounce bottle of water. I, I feel the same way. <laughs> oh my God! I'm back. Yes. yes. How did everything come I'm out, little John? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we look we we look forward to uh, you coming off the of suspension as well, John. Is this show going on online too? <laughs> It is All right, boys. Yep. Say bye to Uncle Johnny and tell him to drive safe. Bye. Bye, John. Do a cannonball in the pool for me. I will, and I'll do a couple flips. All right, All right dr- drive safe, you. man. All right, we'll do. All right. See you guys. See you. Have a great day. Bye. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. The life I love is making music with my friends. And I can't wait to get on the road again. 